0: The Founding Fathers American Revolution Our Constitution Our History America Thanks so much for tuning in as we discuss the people, places, events, and battles that turned 13 separate colonies into the greatest nation on earth, the United States. Welcome back, Patriots. I am your host, Ron Kern, and I'm super excited that you're here with me, the show's 17th episode. I really do appreciate you taking the time to listen, learn, and experience all that we talk about, the people, the places, the battles, and everything else associated with the American Revolution. On that same note, as the year is coming to an end, if you can believe it already, where did 2022 go? Uh, I receive an email with stats about the podcast. Now, normally, I don't really pay too much attention to that sort of stuff, but they were pretty darn cool, so I wanted to share a few of them as, really, they relate everything to do with you, my faithful listeners. So I thought you might be interested in it. Now, these uh, stats are only from one platform, and since we're available on many I'm guessing the actual numbers are higher but nonetheless it seems like this podcast is gaining some traction so that's cool. The first thing that the report listed is that this podcast has 80 percent more content than any other podcast listed as history. That's really cool. It has been listened by people in 17 countries and is in the top 15% of the most followed podcasts. Other cool stats is that this podcast had an increase of 415% of hours listened, 370% increase in streams, 346% increase in followers, and listeners increased by 158%. Now, do these stats excite me? Absolutely. But here's why. These numbers tell me that people are taking an interest in the American Revolution and how this country was formed, and that also means that they're learning and educating themselves, which to me is really exciting. I believe many, due to events of the last few years, have had a desire that they may not have ever had before to really know and learn about the country's foundation, their rights, where and how this country came to be, and of course, that definitely includes the Revolutionary War. I also want to extend a big thank you for those of you who have given us a five-star review. And just a few episodes ago, we had like four reviews, and now we have 17. All of them are five-star, which is really awesome, and I thank you for those at least on the apple podcast it shows 17 reviews all being five star and it's really appreciated and the reason why reviews are important is that the more reviews that podcasts get it actually will pop up more in the searches meaning that people can find this podcast easier so if you have not given my show a review i would really appreciate it as it just it's super quick The show's motto, as I'm sure you've seen on our website and uh, in our show notes, is listen, learn, enjoy, share. And it appears all of these things are actually happening. So I'm relaying all of this to you to say thank you. And it's really appreciated. And it, it means that the hours and hours of research that is required for me to put one episode together aren't in vain. Okay, enough about that. But Sincerely, thank you. So, just a reminder that bonus episodes, as this one is, is just something a little extra that's between the main episodes. And oftentimes it'll be about a person, uh, a group of people, an event or battle that may fall outside of the chronological timeline that we have uh, on our main episodes of the American Revolution. Bonus episodes are just extra nuggets that I wanted to share and. Oftentimes, the topic comes from you, the listeners. So if there is something that you want me to investigate and research and have it be the topic of an upcoming bonus episode, all you have to do is email me. And you can reach me anytime at patriotpowerpodcast at com, Or, of course, you can use the contact form on our website, which is patriotpowerpodcast.com. All right, this episode, this bonus episode, is really cool it's one that i have wanted to do for a long time and it's really been on my mind for the last several months and finally i had a i had some time to put this together and uh it's finally happening as you have already guessed by the episode's title i'm going to be talking about some incredible women that had an impact and many a major impact on the revolutionary war and its efforts now In my research I found a lot of women that are worthy of being included, but I'm just going to highlight three uh, that struck a chord in me and really blew me away. Now I'll have links for each person that I speak about and also links to books that are on this topic as well. And as always, neatly organized for you to dive in, and those are always located on the show notes. You can find the show note links right from your podcast, whatever platform you're listening from, or you can go to our website and they are all listed for you by show. So when most people think about the, quote, important people in the revolution, Perhaps George Washington, John Adams, Thomas Jefferson, Benjamin Franklin, and many of those type of names and founding fathers come to mind. Now, you'd be 100% correct listing these amazing men. However, often overlooked and rarely spoken about are the brave, courageous, and incredible women who had significant roles and did amazing things during the war some of the women and what they did might not only surprise you but likely they're going to inspire you as well the most well-known women that have already entered your mind may have been martha washington elizabeth hamilton or abigail adams now each of these truly remarkable women have countless books already written about them biographies and uh probably a hundred or more and and they're very well known so i'm not going to go into their lives and contributions on this show uh, but i'll have links for them of course in the show notes i will say for me personally abigail adams is one of if not my favorite female of the revolutionary war time period now i'm not going to get started on her as that would truly fill up the entire show but i will say that John Adams, as a successful lawyer, vice president, and then our second president, would oftentimes talk with Abigail on important decisions that he would have to make. And it is known that he often sought her insight and wisdom and the what would you do type questions to her. And with her input, it really helped him make important decisions, some of which, would ultimately affect everybody in the entire country. She was not only beautiful, but she was so smart, bold, and could hold a conversation with the best of them. Not too bad for a gal who didn't complete her schooling traditionally, she was self-taught at home, and uh, she was a remarkable woman. Okay, I'll, I'll stop talking about Abigail right now, or or it's all over, I'll just keep going. All right, so let's dive in. And I wanna let you know that these three women that I'm gonna talk about are not in any specific order of importance or spoke about first or last for any particular reason. Truth be told, they all are equal to being number one if there were such a ranking system. Every lady I talk about could easily fill up 25 pages of their actions, events, and, and accomplishments So I'm going to hit some key points and highlights, but be certain there's going to be a lot more to learn about them. Uh, The links that I do provide for each of them will hopefully fill in some other details and gaps that I certainly will miss in doing this mini-bio that I'm going to present. The first woman that we're going to discuss is Deborah Sampson Gannett. Now Deborah was one of just a handful of women who actually fought in the Revolutionary War. And she did this disguised as a man. She was a descendant of pilgrims Miles Standish on her father's side and William Bradford on her mother's side. If you aren't sure who William Bradford is, I implore you to watch Desperate Journey. Uh, That's on History Vault. It's an absolutely accurate, historically accurate, and amazing documentary of those on the Mayflower. And knowing Bradford's life actually helps me understand how Deborah did such amazing things. Their family tree is full of incredible and brave people that kinda got the ball rolling and and were the firsts in a lot of things. You can actually get a free trial of History Vault if you don't wanna pay for a subscription. So sign up for a free trial, watch that, Desperate Journey. It's really, really good. All right, so getting back to Deborah, in 1781, she dressed as a soldier and using the name Robert Shirtliff, enlisted to serve in the 4th Massachusetts Regiment. She didn't serve for a month or three months or even six. She served for the full three years. She dressed as a man which included at the time a suit and a ruffled shirt. She put her hair in a ponytail which was common back then for men and she bound her breasts with a tight cloth. Now soldiers back then, they wore their clothes all day and all night and they slept in them. So being discovered at bedtime wasn't an issue and not having or the ability to grow a beard wasn't a problem either because many of the soldiers were very young and beardless teenagers. So she really fit in and looked like any other soldier. Her luck of not suffering an injury did run out in the summer of 1782 when the unit that she was in was attacked by loyalists, which charged her unit with bayonets. Now remember, a bayonet is the long, sharp, sword-looking thing that is attached to the top of a musket. In that attack, she was slashed in the leg, and if that wasn't bad enough, she was then shot in the leg and suffered a head wound to top it all off. At the hospital, the doctor treated her head wound and she denied having any other injury. Knowing the danger of infection and likely death of a musket ball left unattended, later that day, she confiscated a scalpel or another sharp medical instrument and she actually removed one of the musket balls that was lodged in her thigh. Unfortunately, the other musket ball was just too deep in her leg uh, to remove herself and it remained there in her leg for the rest of her life, which caused her discomfort and pain every day thereafter. First of all, I wince like a little baby when I attempt to get a splinter out of my finger and to imagine anyone, let alone a female, Deborah, head wound and all, cutting into her own leg with no anesthesia or painkillers, by the way, it just had to be painful. I can, I can only imagine just how excruciatingly painful that was. But she did it. Now, later in the war, she contracted a fever and became way too sick and weak to worry about or be aware of anything happening to her, which includes a doctor's exam. That doctor's exam revealed her secret that this brave young man soldier was not a man at all. It was actually a female. Now, the doctor that did this exam, he has a fun name, Dr. Barnabas Benny, he discovered the male soldier he helped was actually a woman. Now, it's interesting that he did not tell anybody about this discovery. In fact, he never even told his family. General John Patterson, then commander of West Point, was eventually told the story by Dr. Benny, and instead of a negative outcome it actually was quite the opposite. She met with the general six weeks after the Treaty of Paris was signed, and the Treaty of Paris officially ended the war, and Deborah, or should I say Robert Shurtleff, was honorably discharged from the Continental Army. She then sent a petition to the state of Massachusetts to receive benefits, a pension, for her service in the war. This is where it gets sad, because she's not alone in this type of delay, but it She had to wait for a decade, 10 years for it to be approved. So during that time, she married and had children. But as everybody back then had to deal with, they had mouths to feed and a family to take care of. So to to make money, she went on a local tour telling the crowds of how she dressed like a man and fought in the war. She would also speak about how she was injured during the war. And without intentionally trying to do so, she kind of became well-known and, and a little famous. Her story and presentation can be considered the first lecture tour by an American woman. Now, she really, as, as her story and her speaking increased, it caught the attention of a lot of people, and one of those was Paul Revere. Now, Paul Revere was so impressed with what she did to serve the country that he wrote a personal letter asking for an additional pension and likely, since it was Paul Revere writing and requesting it, she received it, as she should have. But that's, that's kind of a cool little side note. Now, the letter that he wrote uh, can be viewed on our website in the show notes. But the last part of it says, quote, I have no doubt your humanity will prompt you to do all in your power to get her some relief. I think her case is more deserving than hundreds to who Congress have been so generous. So he was writing this letter to Congress, saying, um, "You've already helped a lot of soldiers. This one is just as worthy." She died in 1827 at the age of 66. Wow! Just wow! Was was she an amazing woman or what? Next up is Nancy Hart. Nancy was born in 1735, and she grew to be six foot tall, had red hair. She was quite strong and various accounts describe her as quote, having a full temper. Now the average height for a man during that time was five foot seven. So she towered over most everyone. Even the Cherokee Indians called her Wahachi, which means war woman. Daniel Morgan, who was very instrumental in the war and a general for the Continental Army, was her cousin so nancy was definitely known as a notorious rebel and she eventually became a spy now she could not read or write but she could live off the land and roamed the backcountry locations as good or better likely than any frontiersman that you would compare her to she has quite a few exploits and stories that took place after the war But during the war, one of the most popular involved her capture of several British soldiers. According to local legend, six British soldiers entered her home to question her about the assisting of a patriot in escaping from the Red So you have these six British soldiers coming in and kind of rudely just barged on in and started questioning her about a patriot that they felt she helped escape and they weren't very nice. And actually they were exceptionally rude. Um, So, so much so that they then demanded that Nancy cook up a meal for them. Since they couldn't get anything out of her regarding the escape patriot, I guess they felt that they would leave with a full belly. Instead of doing what her instincts likely told her to do, she did as she was told and she prepared a meal for them and started to joke with them a little bit and was very kind to them something probably i'm guessing she had to bite her lip to do the entire time in addition to the food she provided them with alcohol she even got to the point of really kind of conversing back and forth telling jokes and uh And I believe that, along with the alcohol, which she always ensured their cup was always full, it allowed them, the soldiers, to kind of drop their guard. Side note, I did a little digging, and it appears that the meal she made for them was smoked venison, hoe cakes, and fresh honeycomb. Some say it was turkey, but I suppose it's really not that important, but I thought I would share that side note with you. Now, while the soldiers devoured the meal, Nancy and her 12-year-old daughter discreetly removed all of the soldiers' muskets from the corner of the room where they stacked them after barging into her home initially and prior to sitting down to the meal. Realizing what happened, one of the soldiers stood up and started approaching her. Not the best decision or the person to act tough with, as Nancy took her musket And shot him dead right then and there. Another one headed her direction and after telling him that he was ugly, (laughs) she shot him too. She then took the remaining soldier's prisoner. Now, the 12-year-old daughter that helped her with that, her name was Suki, ran to inform her husband, Benjamin, who then rushed back to the cabin. After contemplating whether to shoot or hang the prisoners, And by this time, her neighbors had come over, so they were involved with the decision-making. They decided that hanging was the appropriate method of execution, as apparently Deborah said that shooting them would be too good for them. Much of her life and stories are considered legend, but with most legends, there always seems to be some truth woven into them. In 1912, a railroad company's archaeological excavation of the land near where her cabin stood they unearthed six skeletons suggesting that this legend was indeed fact or at least parts of it. Personally reading about her and learning about her personality I'm kinda surprised that she didn't shoot all of them right then and there Uh, she was really the type of Frontiers woman that didn't take anybody's crap so to speak and and there wouldn't be any viable reason that I can think of to fabricate just part of the story especially since the ending seems to to be now verified. Perhaps it happened exactly the way I just told you or maybe parts were exaggerated and I suppose we'll probably never know exactly what happened in the cabin but I believe if anybody could capture six soldiers shoot two because they were advancing toward her, and then hang the rest? It would be Nancy Hart. Hart County, Georgia is named after her. It's the only county in the state of Georgia that is named after a woman. Many schools, banks, hotels, and even the Nancy Hart Highway are also named in her honor. There is no concrete evidence or documentation of when she died but estimates are between 1850 and 1820 and back then if a woman died it was rarely published as an obituary if ever mentioned at all kind of sad but in the show notes i have a link to a video reenactment of the events that took place in the cabin now it's probably not going to win any academy awards Uh, it's kind of dated but i think you'll enjoy it Uh, it's only about six minutes long Additionally, I have a lot of links that will provide you with more information about Deborah. If you like my podcast and what I'm doing, and you want to support it, I have a few ways that you can do that. Word of mouth is certainly the best way to advertise, so please tell your friends and family about this podcast. It's kid-friendly, too, so you can share it with teachers and schools if you want to podcasts that have a lot of reviews are just found easier so if you have a few seconds and literally that's all it takes go to the bottom of my podcast click the number of stars that you feel it is warranted and that's it you can write something if you want but that's not necessary it literally takes you just a few seconds lastly we have some pretty cool patriotic gear on our newly launched online store we have mugs t-shirts with famous and important revolutionary quotes Thanks for your consideration, and now, let's get back to the podcast. The last amazing woman that I'm going to cover in this show is Anna Smith-Strong. Anna was born in 1740 in Setauket, New York. Now, if her name or the city sounds familiar, it may be due to her being a central figure on amc's turn washington's spies now i've discussed this series in previous shows and if you still haven't watched it i recommend that you do you can watch the entire series on amc and i think youtube even has all of them as well as probably a few other streaming services so just search turn washington's spies and uh and watch it anna's husband sila strong was a captain in the New York Militia. In 1778, the British imprisoned him in New York City on the dreaded HMS Jersey as a presumed spy. Now during her husband's imprisonment, Anna would actually bring him food and was able to negotiate his release through her family connections. And had she not brought him food, he likely would have died as Being on a British prison ship in the Revolution meant almost certain death, and the HMS Jersey was probably the worst of the worst regarding prison ships. Continental Army Major Benjamin Talmadge began working with Abraham Woodhull in the summer of 1778 at the height of the Revolutionary War to provide George Washington information on British army operations in their headquarters in new york city it's a really long way to say that they created a spy ring and members of the spy ring gathered and passed information between 1778 all the way through the british evacuation in new york in 1783. woodhull needed his neighbor who happened to be anna smith strong to advise him of caleb brewster's location which is how Anna got involved in the first place and became a spy in the Culper Spy Ring. Anna Strong's role in the ring was to relay signals to a courier named Caleb Brewster, who would row periodically across Long Island Sound to retrieve the information uncovered, who in turn then would take it to Major Talmadge in Connecticut. Now how she would signal them was pretty darn clever. Hanging clothes to dry was a very common thing women did back then and is about as mundane as you could get. And not doing anything to stand out or have a spotlight on them is a good way to stay under the radar and that is what Anna did. So she would take her laundry out to the tip of Seaton's neck where her clothesline was easily visible from a boat in the sound and also was visible to Woodhull at his nearby farm. If a message was ready to be picked up, she would hang a black petticoat on the clothesline. Then, however many white handkerchiefs were hung with it, identified the cove on Long Island Sound where both Woodhull and Brewster would meet up. They intentionally moved from cove to cove just in case the British ever caught on to what they were doing. Now, if nothing was hung on the line, that meant there was no message. If a black petticoat and three white handkerchiefs were hung up, they both would go to the third cove to get updated information. Simple, but really extremely beneficial and effective. And I believe, uh, if I remember right, that there were a total of six coves. The Culper spy ring achieved more than any other intelligence network during the entire war. In 1780, they uncovered British plans to ambush the newly arrived French army in Rhode Island. And they also uncovered information involving the secret negotiations between Benedict Arnold and helped capture Jean Andre, who was the British officer that Benedict Arnold was communicating his treason with. In the book, spies, cities, letters, and more, were referred to by a number, all in code, never listing actual names for obvious reasons. Although it can't be 100% confirmed, it does make sense on location, prominence, and being referenced of what she did that Anna Strong could be agent number 355. In my research, I found a lot more information than I imagined, and I was pretty surprised on what and how big of a debate the idea The true identity of 355 is. On one hand, people swear up and down that 355 is Anna Strong, while others say there's no way to prove it, or others say it could never have been her. Now, this debate, although fun and interesting to read, takes away the focus, I think, and detracts her accomplishments and achievements of being a successful spy. She helped the cause in many significant ways and risked it all by being a spy. If you got caught by the British uh, for being a spy, it resulted in immediate death for treason. So whether or not she was or wasn't 355, to me, is irrelevant. It's fascinating to go through the Culper spy ring book today because, well, it's been cracked and we now know what each code represents. For example, George Washington was 711, Caleb Brewster was 725, while 355 is listed simply "lady." 462 was October, 38 meant attack, and 729 was Setauket. I have a link in the show notes that will open up the full PDF of all the codes that they used. They had numbers that represented letters and letters that represented numbers. Simple, but at the time, actually rather complicated. But not one person was ever compromised. So this system was not only effective for everyone involved, it proves and shows that it was foolproof. Anna Strong played an important part as a spy in the Revolutionary War, and at least for her. She was in a popular TV series, and many have learned about her through that. Many other amazing women have not had that luxury and coverage. Now, her husband, Selah Strong, was on George Washington's list to be reimbursed for expenses incurred in connection with activities for the, for the Culper spy ring. It's speculated that the reimbursement must have been for expenses incurred by Anna since... Her husband, Selah, was imprisoned for much of that relevant time period. She gave birth to nine children, two of which died in infancy, and she named one of her boys George Washington. She died August 12, 1812, just two months into the War of 1812. So what can be learned from these three women? Well, I think the lessons are plentiful, But the overarching lesson might be that bravery, intelligence, courage, and eagerness to risk it all for a cause that they believed in isn't just reserved for the men, who almost exclusively receive all the credit. Women of the day back then didn't have many rights, they couldn't vote, and many were considered somewhere above a slave but well beneath the man or husband. Now, going back to Abigail Adams, You knew I was going to bring her up again. She was not afraid to say what she meant either. And I think that many women of the day had the exact same feeling as Abigail. Now remember, she was not only the second first lady. She was also the mother of the sixth president also. For example, this is a quote from Abigail Adams. Do not put such unlimited power into the hands of husbands, Remember, all men would be tyrants if they could. If particular care and attention is not paid to the ladies, we are determined to foment a rebellion and will not hold ourselves bound by any laws in which we have no voice or representation. This very famous quote was taken from a letter that she wrote to her husband John. Another quote that Abigail said was, I desire you would remember the ladies and be more generous and favorable to them than your ancestors. My hope after listening to this show is that we all remember the ladies. It's quite clear they deserve it. Thanks for listening and hope that you tune in next time with us here at the Patriot Power podcast make sure that you hit subscribe so you'll get notified when our new episodes are available for you. And we hope that you check out our websites, which include our show notes, links, documents, and more at patriotpowerpodcast.com or ilovegeorgewashington.com. Until next time, hope that you and your family have a blessed week. And remember, be safe and tell a veteran thanks for their service.